This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Welcome to episode 414 of the Yellow Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about Girena suffering a season-ending injury in a 2-0 win in Stuttgart, Erling Haaland's unwillingness to take MRIs. We will talk about Tom Rote's dream debut against Wolfsburg, and we shall preview the greatest advert for the Bundesliga, as excitement knows no bounds, with Bayern about to wrap up their 10th consecutive league title on match day 31. For all that and more, joins me the meat and potatoes to my dinner date, Lars Pollmann. <laughs> Hello Lars, it's good to have you here. Hello Stefan, good to know I'm food, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't really thought this one through, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, at least you're not the Kati Hummels to my dinner date, so there's that. Uh, how, how, is that better? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure either. Okay. No. I, I did, did not follow uh, the Mats Hummels dating history hijinks. Ah, man. Uh, uh, that kept me up for days. Um, no, uh, on, honestly, um, I, I I had a laugh for like two seconds and I realized that actually I don't care and it's none of my business and it's also not really interesting. And uh, yeah, but if, if you want to talk about it, you can be my guest. Uh, I'm sure people uh, out there are interested in this. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, uh, since uh, Matthias uh, was out with a non-COVID illness last uh, week and couldn't make it, we still have to sort of gloss over the Stuttgart win. And uh, I guess the main takeaway from that is that Gio Reyna, after telling Nobby Dickel how strong his leg is, uh, picked up uh, another injury uh 53 seconds or so with the first sprint to the game. Um, pretty heartbreaking. Uh, more tears um, for the, what is it, 17, 18-year-old? Uh, maybe even 19 by now. I've, I've lost track. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, your thoughts, comments on that game and uh, Gio Reyna's, you know, I don't know, future, what, what uh, you know, course of action you'll see from him other than being out for the rest of the season and hopefully having a good, you know, summer recovery and then begin the new with the next season. Sorry, dumb question, but here you go. I mean, first of all, that was like five questions. And sec <laughs> second of all, uh, thanks for actually telling me before the show that we were going to talk about the Stuttgart game, which you failed to mention. Sorry. Be because long-time listeners will know that my recall of these games is not among the best even when the games only took place a couple of days ago and now the Stuttgart game that's more than a week so I barely remember anything outside of uh, Reina coming off after as you said two minutes or so uh, Julian Brandt replacing him scoring a Bundesliga record early uh, joker goal as we would say in German um, so a goal as a substitute after what was it, 14 minutes? I think it and was then, 12. Yeah, he, him on the pitch, 12, but I think okay, it was yeah, in the four, yeah, 14th right. minute, which which would make the Bundesliga record. 
Um, then Stuttgart had a few chances to equalize, but not too many. Brandt scored his second with Florian Müller making a customary half mistake. So not necessarily a blunder, but still uh, a good goalkeeper probably has that. And then um, Stuttgart really coming on late, but you know not finding the goal that probably would have made things interesting. So yeah, I mean... I don't know that we necessarily need to talk about the game, no. which in the grand scheme of things is pretty unimportant for Dortmund anyway. Uh, and I mean, what what can you say about Reina other than let's hope the worst is behind him now? I mean, uh, as soon as I saw him come off the pitch, I think I said, just shut him down until, uh, you know, next season starts, basically. I mean, even if his injury had proved to be minor, uh, if he had been able to come back for, let's say, the last couple of matches or whatever, I think it would make the most sense to just shut him down and give him all the rest this season. I mean, what 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 good would it would it have done uh, for him to play? You know, the 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 Berlin match on match day thirty four. I mean, not not much to look forward to in that regard. So makes most sense. And now, I mean, I guess the decision has been taken out of the hands with his injury anyway yeah I mean ultimately it's a completely lost season which is never good but especially not good for a teenager which is the cop-out answer for I don't remember how old he is either um, especially considering that I think it's pretty fair to say that Marco Rose is a big fan of Reynas I think recently ahead of his like second comeback if you want to call it that I think he uh, meaning Rosa said that Reina has, you know, world-class potential or whatever, which, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I agreed with, with that high of a praise necessarily, considering what we've seen over the first uh, two seasons or so of Reina in professional football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he would have had a, a massive role in this team, probably spelling Royce a bit more than was able, that they were able to uh, eventually. So one has to hope that as I said, the worst is behind Reyna and he can have a, a, a good summer prep, as you said, uh, get it back in the right frame of mind also, because I'm pretty sure this is all uh, weighing down on him quite a bit in terms of you know his emotions. I mean, you never want to see a guy cry coming off the pitch twice in like two months or whatever it was. So yeah, I, I, I think having you know a lot of time off and probably not thinking too much about football uh, will probably do him some good and then just have to wait and see how, how he can bounce back next season because even if I don't think necessarily he has world-class potential he certainly has the potential to help this team next season and I guess they are also kind of banking on that yeah I, I, I think they were already banking on him to replace some of the uh, 50 goals and 68 assists that Jane Sancho contributed in 137 games for Dortmund, obviously. I think in 77 games, Gio has uh, scored 10 goals and 12 assists, if I'm not mistaken. So um, not quite the same numbers, I would say, but uh, I, I assume the club wanted to see a step up and I, I think this easily would have been on the cards as well if he had a normal season. And I think had Girena had a normal season with a lot of availability... Um, maybe Dortmund's season overall would have had a bit of a different uh, structure, let's say, um, just from a cohesive standpoint, because it's been a very uncohesive season, you know, 
injuries certainly played a major part in that. I mean, if we look at the numbers, uh, Gio played 647 minutes for Dortmund this season. He uh, starred in 13 out of a total of 46 games. Uh, I, I already included the, the rest of the season now. Um, and uh, yeah, from that 13 games, he started in six. And yeah, so it's, yeah, zero starts in the Champions League, you know, one one uh, appearance in the Europa League, uh, one appearance in the DFB Pokal. So um, yeah, uh, also when, when it comes to Dortmund's horrible cup season, you know, his uh, absence, I think, is felt there as well. And so, yeah, I really do hope that whatever is bothering him with muscular injuries, he can get a hold of during the summer and the off season, and then really uh, attack next season and and hopefully make it count. And I I really hope that um, you know, you you talked about the mental aspect that he can somehow draw strength out of this and maybe show even more maturity. But, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Gio. Um, I'm just hoping for the best here. And I, I think uh, so is everyone else. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this is pretty much all that, that there's to say about the Stuttgart game in particular. So, um, yeah, if if we want to move on to the Wolfsburg game, um, before the Wolfsburg game at the news conference... <laughs> Uh, I, I think Marco Rose raised a lot of eyebrows among people when he said that Erling Haaland currently does not want to take an MRI on his uh, injured ankle. And he said, uh, considering how uh, the uh, foot was basically pointing 90 degrees away from the leg and, and during that foul uh, against Armenia during the international break, that something is probably damaged, whether it be the capsule or a ligament or whatnot. Um, but right now, I think he he said that Haaland, Haaland is uh, battling through the pain on the training pitch and then taking a painkiller for the games. Um, but yeah, uh, certainly I thought it was uh, very interesting to hear that the player is not taking an, an MRI. Uh, Lars, I have a lot of opinions about that, uh, but I want to hear yours first. I mean, first of all, looking down at my feet... They are also standing away from my leg by 90 degrees, <laughs> so I don't know if that's necessarily uh, a point of contention. You're such no, a I wise mean, ass. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's a bit stupid uh, to, to not go for an MRI, uh, I mean, unless he has like piercings that he can take out of his body, which I'm not sure is the case. Uh, I mean, he's not fooling anyone in terms of, you know, hiding injuries ahead of like a, a transfer because obviously every club will go through a fairly rigorous uh, medicinal checkup before signing someone for a package of more than 300 million euros. Um, and all clubs also are aware of his injury history. So it's not like going for an MRI right now and, and you know, maybe being put out of action for the rest of the season would necessarily change too much in that regard. I guess if you want to put a positive spin on it, he doesn't want to uh, end his season and presumably his Dortmund career uh, on, on you know the injury bench. He wants to keep playing, which I guess is something that most footballers probably have in them. And I think it's fair to say that if he didn't plan on making a summer switch, he'd probably would be more open to the idea of his season ending early, but, you know, that's the way it is. I just think, ultimately, that 
uh, you know, Marco Rose making this point publicly is kind of, I don't know, half ass in, in a way, because obviously he's the head coach and, and he can just tell Haaland, uh, yeah, okay, you're not going for an MRI, then I'm not putting you in my starting 11 because I have a responsibility towards all my players and I can't be sure that you are up for, you know, playing right now. So uh, as the head coach, I think you have more power in that situation than a player. And given the fact that there's so much abuse of painkillers going on in football, um, I, I didn't necessarily feel much uh, sympathy for uh, either party in, in that regard because, quite frankly, for Dortmund, the season is basically over and it's even mathematically over now uh, after Leverkusen lost against Leipzig on, on Sunday. Dortmund have guaranteed a top-four finish, so they are going to play Champions League football next season, get all the money that is involved with that. So I, I just would prefer my club or any club for that matter to uh, err on the side of responsibility towards all players even very good ones like Holland and if 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 things are this bad that he's afraid of taking an MRI because it's probably going to end the season then uh, the responsible thing to do would be just don't play him yeah okay that's also absolutely my opinion um, I think it's asinine to actually play him then uh, I, I think when you make it public that the player doesn't want to take an MRI, then to also play him and saying that he's taking painkillers is uh, just showing your irresponsibility. And if you are, uh, you know, in a season where you, I think, have a record of, what, 29 muscle injuries, if we count uh, hazards as well now, or, or 30 now, uh, yeah, um, and, and, and people are continuously asking about your injury record and and uh, you know scratching their heads what exactly is going on um yeah it it seems just very irresponsible to me and uh it's it's annoying me that uh, it's been handled that way because uh, i i think you need to be more resolute and just say okay if you do not take the mri then you're not going to play or keep it a secret you know <laughs> but yeah half ass is probably the the best answer and on the other hand, I, uh, you know, there were reports that uh, Team Haaland, so his, uh, you know, advisor and and his, uh, I don't know, agent, uh, making sure that uh, the the uh, previous injury that he had during the January um, time uh, also wasn't really made public. What exactly he had? Um, yeah, I don't know uh, if if that helps to secure three hundred million euro deal or not. Um, but at the same time, if someone falls you the way like the Armenian player did uh, in, in that particular international friendly, and if you then have a damaged ankle, I don't think you can be dubbed injury prone. That was just a very harsh uh, foul or, or tackle or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I don't think that makes you more or less injury prone than any other player, to be honest. So, um, yeah, also in that regard, I, I think it's just silly to, to try to hide a potential injury. But... Um, you know, for now, I think it's it's not much longer our problem in regard uh, to Erling Haaland. I think, uh, you know, reports this week, at least, including Mr. Ornstein, said that, uh, you know, Man City and Haaland have found an agreement, sort of, or, you know, a, a closing in, whatever that means. Um, so I'm hoping sooner than later we will have an announcement that Haaland uh, goes to Manchester City and, uh, yeah. Then, then we have other transfer sagas to focus on, I guess. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, uh, 
it's it's annoying that uh, we we have all these uh, side battles with with Haaland and yeah I I, I think you, you could hear it in the stadium too when uh, he scored the first goal that uh, the euphoria for Haaland scoring goals uh, is not at an all time high right now because I feel like a lot of people are just rather peeved uh, with the uh, shenanigans surrounding Haaland and uh, yeah his his uh, dragging out exit. All right. So uh, other than that, uh, I thought it was a very nice and and fun game against Wolfsburg because it's it always is somehow against Wolfsburg and six uh, one wins obviously are very much fun. Um, last we have a debut to discuss because uh, due to yet another muscle injury of uh, Torgenhalser, uh, Marco Rose decided to start seventeen uh, year old Tom Rote from the beginning and. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if, if Tom Rote will be a world beater or uh, a solid uh, Bundesliga player or not even that, but all I know is it, it was fun to watch a young face and, uh, you know, him having that uh, success. So uh, what are you making of his uh, debut and the record he broke? I mean, first of all, uh, to fulfill my role of Debbie Downer a little bit anyway, uh I'm not giving Marco Rose too much credit for uh, putting Rote in the starting lineup because obviously, as you said, Azar was a late miss in, in this game and Nico Schulz only returned from injury, I think, during the week uh, building up to the Wolfsburg game. So it was really kind of last chance saloon. Uh, also Felix Passlack missing still. So there were really no, no not, not many viable options. Let's put it, let's put it that way. Uh, and... Other than that, I think it's nice, as you said, to see a fresh face. I think this is something that I was actually arguing for for weeks now because basically the season was over, I don't know, uh, when they drew with Cologne, for example, so or maybe even earlier. I mean, it was obviously over earlier, but they have to keep up appearances, uh, I guess. But uh, they have, without question, the best under-19 team in Germany. Uh, they are by far favorites to win uh, the, the playoffs in, in the under-19 Bundesliga. They are in the under-19 Cup Final. They did really well in the UEFA Youth League this season for, for once, which usually was kind of an Achilles heel for Dortmund and German teams in, in general. So, I mean, there's a plethora of, of options to, to choose from. And it's nice to see that not only Rote, but also Leon Semich and uh, Jamie Bynor-Gittens got their first uh, game time with the pros. And obviously the situation, as it presented itself, uh, I guess pushed Rote in, in the limelight earlier than everyone expected. Certainly myself didn't uh, uh, expect that to happen. I think in the first, let's say, five to ten minutes or the first few touches here, I think you could could see you know a, a bit of nervousness which is to be expected obviously having never played in in front of 79,000 and whatever 200. fans yeah um just something that i guess it takes getting used to it's not like i can speak from experience in that regard <laughs> um i think he settled down nicely even before uh scoring the goal and then obviously uh being a big lad for a cent- uh, for for a left back he was in the mix when uh, Brandt whipped in that corner and made a 
pretty nice run actually I mean uh, on, on short nice movement in the box to get away from his marker and connected with the ball with his head and is now the youngest ever debut goal scorer I think that's the record you uh, yes. allude to yeah he's not the youngest outright goal scorer but the youngest goal scorer to score on his debut I think it's 17 years and 169 days so um, there you go. Uh, con congrats! You know it's uh, it's a nice achievement, and obviously I'm really happy. Again, um, does this mean that uh, Dom will build around Tom Rote and and have him in his future plans? Uh, probably not. I don't know. Um, but uh, either way, I think it's it's super nice to see uh, young talent, and <laughs> you know. It, it, it's funny, uh, obviously Dortmund uh, conceded this massive chance uh, that uh, Kobel saved in the what third or fourth minute. Uh, I, I forgot who, who took this shot. Uh, yeah, Lucas, right? <laughs> Not the other one. Uh, yeah, the other one came on in second. Yeah, I, I didn't even know he had a brother uh, um, that also played for Wolfsburg. Um, but yeah, uh, fantastic save by Kobel. Um, as has been the norm this season for pretty much most of the time. And uh, yeah, then... Uh, after 24 minutes, uh, Rote scored, uh, and then you had Witzel <laughs> scoring at the end of a counterattack, which which was to me very funny. Then another set piece goal, Manuel Kanji, I think, just uh, poking the ball away from Erling Haaland. Then you had Emre Can with a nice, uh, yeah, shot from distance in the 34th minute, and uh, I think we can say that uh, Kuhn Castells also did not have his best day. And then finally, Haaland scored in the 38th minute after a nice assist by Marco Royce, and then. Uh, the the six also came uh, via Julian Brandt uh, and uh, yeah also nice assist I I think uh, also very well taken goal by by Haaland uh, don't want to take any credit away from that and uh, yeah once it was six nothing I assumed that maybe five six seven minutes later we would at least see one of uh, Bino Gittens and uh, or Samage uh, but wasn't the case. Um, I don't know if I want to call that vexing or not, uh, but I, I thought uh, this would have been the perfect stage uh, for these uh, youngsters to make uh, uh, their, their first appearance um, because I don't think even with them on the field that uh, this very much rattled uh, VfL Wolfsburg team would have had any uh, sniff at coming back into this. Um, yeah, but uh, so they came on in the, what, 88th minute or so and uh, there were one and a half minutes left and you know the German mercy rule when the referee just uh, blows the whistle with like five seconds still on the clock and uh, I think one Wolfsburg player was injured so I don't know if anyone of those even got a touch um, which is yeah, kind of annoying because you do want to watch these players uh, a little bit because especially uh, when you when you listen to uh, other experts uh, say Dirk Krampe for example who uh, you know has, has a ear um, more closely to Borussia Dortmund uh, I think he was talking about uh, that he is very much more in Dortmund's plans and future plans. So, uh, yeah, a glimpse into Dortmund's future would have been nice, uh, but we didn't quite get that. But still, uh, I, I think it's nice for these 17-year-olds uh, to, um, you know, be on the football pitch and, and breathe in some Bundesliga air. And uh, before I stop uh, waffling, I also want to mention, I think that Dortmund had a record uh, with uh, three 17-year-old players uh on during a Bundesliga game. I don't think that ever happened before. And so, so yeah, there's that. Uh, so youth is, is still a thing in, in Dortmund. 
And with that, I am out of things to say about the Wolfsburg game other than it was a nice sunny day and it was nice to, you know, reward the fans. Only thing is, I, I think I recall the image not actually being 17. Might want to fact check that. Well, uh, not with the image, but with um, uh, Mukuku, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh... I don't, I don't know why I mix it up, but yeah, Mokoko is also 17. I don't, I don't know that you did. I think I just assumed it was about Sandwich and for, forgot Mokoko exists because he doesn't really get much game time these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's pretty much all I have. Uh, you know, anything else on that particular game that uh, stood out to you, that was fun to you? I think it's funny uh, that Dortmund won a game by a margin of five goals, scoring six, and uh, you could easily make the case that Gregor Kobel was their best player on the day uh, because he made that massive save against the match after three minutes. He had another massive save in the second half. Uh, always alert, always available. I think uh, just in general, I, I, I don't know if, if that's necessarily topical, but I kind of thought about Kobe the last few days with these rumors about Schlotterbeck, for example, flying around and I struggled to find any, uh, you know, negatives in Kobel's form in the second half of the season. So I think just, uh, you know, a, a nice reminder that they uh, got a good one there and, and he seems to be progressing well also from uh, a performance standpoint. Because obviously when you sign a, a new number one goalkeeper, uh, you expect them to be uh, uh, an improvement on the situation before, which wasn't too hard considering Dortmund played uh, the shell of Roman Birki and Marvin Hitz last season. But I think uh, Kobel being a very young goalkeeper, one of the youngest uh, starting goalkeepers in the Bundesliga, uh, I think there was a bit of a learning curve in the first half of the season. And as I said, I can't really remember uh, any like major issues in the second half of the season so that's just nice to see I guess yeah no it, it is it, it certainly is and that even in uh, those games uh, Gregor Kobel is there when you need him I mean the uh, one goal that Dortmund did concede um, by Riedle Baku I think it was just an excellent strike uh, you know I, I think it's more on Zagadou not covering of that corner than anything else, but uh, you know, if Pongracic doesn't ha have this very weird double touch, uh, I don't think, uh, uh, yeah, we would be even talking about any chance for Wolfsburg. To be honest, that was just a glaring error, and uh, yeah, maybe a lack of focus. I'm not entirely sure what happened there, uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's funny that it's Pongracic who I I think was uh, booed when he uh, touched the ball every time by the like one what was it thousand Wolfsburg fans that uh, made the trip graciously so um yeah anywho um that's that's pretty much it uh, you already talked about um uh nico schlotterbeck uh i think there are more and more reports that uh this deal is as close as it can be without him actually having made a signature um obviously yesterday during the uh, move to the cup final after beating hamburg three nothing or so or three to one um uh, he said that uh, he is not discussing this or, uh, you know, what whatever. But uh, you know, I think we can all assume and expect that he will be around uh, in the Dortmund shirt next season. Uh, last, what's, and I'll be honest, is something that really excites me. 
you know, someone posted a screenshot of uh, the the axis of Kobel, Zule, and Schlotterbeck, and I don't know. For me personally, that's exciting. Um, I saw someone asking you on Twitter whether uh, he's actually any good or uh, more in the in the vein of other uh, Freiburg players, for example, Burki or um, uh, Maximilian Philipp, who were okay-ish, but not uh, on the level that Dortmund really expected it to work out, or you can even lump Matthias Ginter in there. Um, what is your feeling and tendency of uh, Schlotterbeck joining Dortmund, if it so happens? Uh, yeah, I said, or I wrote rather on Twitter, that it's the most excited I've been about a transfer since Gregor Kobel, which obviously isn't long at all, but I mean, if you remember back how I waxed poetic about Kobel's joining Dortmund, then it's basically the same level of excitement, which you can tell from the monotone uh, way I'm speaking right now. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think there's there's little argument to be made that Schlotterbeck wasn't one of the, let's say, three or four or five best centre-halves in the Bundesliga this season. He is still young, huge potential, but also already showing great performances, uh, albeit in a very stable environment in Freiburg, which is obviously conducive to, to good performances. And I guess at times Freiburg players are, or Freiburg is more a sum of the parts than, you know, the huge individual quality of all players. But I think Schlotterbeck is more of an exa uh, 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 exception there. Um, I, I basically can't see a way that that guy doesn't work out at Dortmund. The only thing, perhaps, um, just stylistically, uh, because he likes to defend on the front foot uh, quite a bit, and we know that Dortmund have trouble sometimes with a high line. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the defensive axis, as you called it earlier, wasn't actually Kobel, Zule, Schlotterbeck only, but rather uh, those three and a third centre-half, uh, Chan or Mats Hummels uh, being the most likely options there. I, I mean, I, we are all assuming, I kind of think that Schlotterbeck is only going to come because Akanji is going to leave and that's more or less a wash in terms of transfer fees. Uh, at least we can expect that because they are also both under contract until 23 Uh, Akanji moving to England might be, might net a little bit more than Freiburg will get from Dortmund for Schlotterbeck, but let's just call it a wash. So uh, he's going to be out of the picture. Akanji is so I'm I'm kind of expecting at least in you know the big games against good opposition. I wouldn't be surprised anyway if uh, Dortmund were still playing with a back three. Yeah, no, I neither am I. You know, whether it's Zagadou if they extend his contract or or Hummels in there, or maybe they find yet another centre back somehow, maybe from their own on youth ranks, or I, I don't know. But uh, I'm I'm fairly certain that at some point we will see the axis that I just described because um, it is tradition <laughs> uh, over the last I don't know how many seasons that you get so many different backlines. Uh, out of Dortmund just because of all the injuries uh, left, right and center. I have a hard time imagining also that, for example, Nico Zuz stays healthy for an entire season without any muscular injury or, or uh, other little boo-boos here and there. So, um, yeah, it's it's just what it is. And uh, I hope that uh, uh, next season these players can all stay healthy for a longer period because I really want to see some con 
consistency and the resulting cohesion from that, I think that alone would make big leaps in in uh, terms of improving Dortmund's playing style and uh, you know addressing some of the issues. Um, and yeah, I also think that uh, Schlotterbeck's passing uh, is uh, excellent. Uh, I think he has great vision of the field, and uh, I like when he roams forward with the ball. Uh, it it looks like uh, he has he has quite a sweet dribbling touch, uh, and yeah, makes him a very modern centre back. I think at the same time um, there will be some mistakes, you know, as is as is common, uh, but I will <laughs> I will allow that I. I'm already saying it now that uh, coming for the next season, I will be a bit more tolerant when it comes to centre-backs screwing up and, and making mistakes, especially when it comes to, to shelter-back. Um, not because uh, I'm lowering my standards, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a bit more relaxed, I, I feel like, <laughs> uh, personally. Maybe that changes again, but uh, for now, um, I'm... I'm thinking, especially when if Dortmund play a lot of more young players, uh, be it a, a Gittens or whatnot, uh, I will, uh, yeah, actually lower my expectations for overall quality of play and uh, hope that uh, you know that the overall development of a, a year or two, uh, you know, is more conducive than uh, to you know uh, criticize every little error and, and nitpick. Um, you know, I think as a as a fan base or overall pressure um, that that gets exuded on on players, uh, yeah, may, maybe reduce that a little. Um, but again, the deal is not done yet. But uh, reports are indicating that obviously Freiburg still have a cup final to play and a lot of important games. They can still qualify for the Champions League. So um, yeah, uh, I'm not expecting any announcements uh, before that, to be honest. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, exciting times. Uh, there is also reports of ma- progress in, in the Adiemi causa. I'm not entirely sure what that means. I've also heard reports from, uh, I think, Sport1 that Dortmund are interested in uh, Benzebaini from uh, Gladbach. And I'll be honest, I absolutely do not rate Benzebaini one bit. I think he's a terrible player. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've I've watched him uh, too many times this season and, and I'm absolutely not impressed so um, that's not a transfer I would uh, really like I already said beforehand that I'm also not the biggest Adeyemi fan um, last also Dortmund are linked with various number sixes uh, Xaver Schlager is the latest one uh, what are your thoughts on him uh, good player shocking attitude towards uh covid and vaccinations and all that so no thank you all right yeah that that's sort of my take too um so yeah i i guess keep us posted dortmund with uh transfer rumors uh i i hope they they can find someone else and uh yeah what else is there oh yeah uh the game against bayern munich this saturday um <sighs> I don't even remember the last time Dortmund won at the Allianz Arena. Um, honest. I do. When was it? I mean, I don't remember the year, huh. but I remember it being a three-nil. Jonas Hofmann scored, so like 2015. Oh, was that was that the dead rubber where uh, Bayern already wrapped up the title? Yeah, and I think it was not even the after the the late afternoon kickoff, but that might be might be mistaken. But it was certainly one of those games where Bayern just couldn't be asked and. 
Dortmund kind of, uh, you know, got away with it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, good for you to to remember that uh, <laughs> uh, particular game. Um, so I thought about it a little bit because obviously there is some significant uh, factor uh, which is already hyped is that if Bayern win this game, they will uh, also wrap up uh, the tenth title, as I said in the intro. Um, now, obviously, uh, winning in Munich and beating Bayern Munich is always fun, and watching Bayern lose is always fun. I really enjoyed. Uh, them crashing out of the Champions League. There is a certain level of schadenfreude that I cannot deny. Um, but at the same time, Lars, and uh, maybe uh, critique my my uh, thoughts here a little, but I think maybe it's a good experience for Dortmund players uh, to to watch Bayern celebrate uh, the title in their faces. Maybe that's, that's something they need to gain some extra motivation and maybe... Uh, you know, uh, a traumatic event like that uh, can, uh, you know, uh, catalyst something, uh, just like the cup final loss for Bayern did in 2012. Um, I don't know. M maybe, maybe not. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, those are my hopes and <laughs> uh, my, my thoughts about this game. So if Dortmund lose, I'm not going to be entirely mad, hoping that uh, they will gain something positive out of this. What do you think? I think that that's a very, very positive, uh, almost naive way of looking at things. Maybe. Which I uh, don't necessarily subscribe to, but I also didn't really listen to all you said because I was looking up when this game I half remember actually was. It was April 2014, but still a 3-0 win and Jonas Hofmann did score. So. so while you're there, when was the last relevant game that Dortmund uh, won in Munich in the Bundesliga? I'm only looking on my phone, Stefan. You are overestimating my capacity right now. <laughs> but it can't be, can't be in the last few years because we all know the story goes. Uh, Dortmund play Bayern pretty close at home. Sometimes win, sometimes with a bit of Felix Zweier magic lose. <laughs> uh, and then they go to Munich and say, this is the year and they get pumped, uh, you know, five, six, however many goals. And, and honestly, I... I struggle to find uh, reasoning to expect any different this time around. I mean, we we know the uh, title clinching scenario for Bayern, which I don't know that they necessarily need more motivation when Dortmund comes to Munich. They pretty pretty usually play pretty pretty hard. Um, obviously, the Champions League exit against Villarreal is still stinging them a little bit, so I, I'm pretty sure they want to make a point out of winning the title in style against Dortmund of all teams. I think the DFL schedule makers are going to slap themselves on the backs for a, a good idea to put this game on the 31st match day because a, a title clinching scenario in the biggest game of the season, I, I suppose that's something that non-Dortmund fans can appreciate is quite interesting and you know given the the personal situation of Dortmund um, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if this followed the same script as always which is Bayern score early Bayern score a lot uh, Dortmund get run over a little bit even though sometimes they even go ahead I guess um, against Bayern but still I, I, in, in within all the possibilities of this game, 
uh, I, I struggle to pick out the one where Dortmund come away with uh, a good result, not even a win, but a decent result. I just can't see it. Yeah, so the uh, I, I just looked at it and the, the last relevant wins really uh, are the uh, one nothing in 2012, I think. and uh, No, 2011, actually, sorry. And uh, the 3-1 in 2011. So the the one nothing was a a goal where there was some controversy because Götze before he scored I, I think grazed the ball with his hand, and uh, the other one was obviously the Mitch Langerak game where uh, I think Lukas Barrios scored the first one and Nuri Shine had an uh, absolute belter, and I think Mats Hummels scored a header, and then uh, Jurgen Klopp's glasses broke uh, as they all uh, cheered. At the final whistle, um, that was a tremendous game and super fun. But also, uh, yeah, it's been a very long time. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, now you already teed me up with uh, players uh, that might be absent. Uh, obviously, uh, Gregor Kobel had uh, get to uh, get together. No, he, he he clashed together with Jude Bellingham during training on Tuesday and was missing today, which is Wednesday. So he is doubtful for the game. Um, so also uh, not present are Dan Axel Zagadou, Marius Wolf, Daniel Malen, Mudahu, Torgen Hazard, and uh, yeah, Girena, Thomas Meunier, and Mathieu Moret. Also, uh, Witzel might be out. So um, that's a very long list. Um, yeah. So I don't know what to make of this, but might as well uh, throw in the youngsters <laughs> all from the beginning. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm beyond caring. I know it's it's the big game. It's up there, Classica, and it's going to be on on even national television here in the United States. But I'm very much over uh, when it comes to the season. To me, the most important game uh, is going to be uh, the the game against Dynamo Kiev, uh, Dynamo Kiev on the 26th of April. And uh, if you're in Germany, uh, maybe buy a ticket and go there. I think that's way more important than uh, this uh, Bayern game. You said before uh, Dortmund already wrapped up the Champions League qualification and I'm pretty sure um, over the final three match days, uh, regardless of the result against Bayern, um, that they will uh, also wrap up second place. So I'm not really too concerned. Um, that my if if you want a prediction out of me, I'm going to say fortitude to Bayern. I'm pretty sure that maybe Haaland will have a brace or, or Royce or whatnot uh, will, will score here and there because Bayern's defense is also not entirely settled. But at the same time, I think it's going to be the same odd where uh, Robert Lewandowski will just absolutely punish Dortmund. And um, it's maybe one question I have for you. Um, do you are you personally hoping that Robert Lewandowski is leaving Bayern Munich at the end of the season or next season, uh, in order to uh, <laughs> evade the punishment, uh, the biannual punishment by our previous striker? I mean, uh, I think the best scenario for Dortmund would be li him leaving in twenty three because uh, that would mean Bayern would struggle a bit anyway financially to come up with the best solution to replace him uh, because if, if he were to leave let's say uh, for Barcelona this season they get a sizable fee for a player who's going to be 34 in August I think or September something like that anyway uh, and and I'm my head cannon, if you like, is uh, that Bayern would go ahead and sign uh, Christopher Nkunku of Leipzig's which I guess in a way would also help Dortmund uh, because 
Dortmund are much closer to Leipzig in terms of competing with them for stuff than with Bayern. Um, but yeah, if, if in isolation for the matchup between Bayern and Dortmund, I think uh, I think it would be best if Lewandowski stayed on t- until twenty three, and then they struggle to come up with a, a, a you know follow up plan. But I mean. Either way, it's not going to matter too much in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it'd just be nice <laughs> to, uh, you know. But uh, then again, Ribéry is long gone, Ayn Robben is long gone, and uh, Dortmund are still not uh, beating Bayern by any stretch. So, um, yeah, there's that. Uh, your prediction before we get the heck out of here? Um, 6-2 Bayern. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh yeah, it's it's not completely unrealistic. And uh, with that, uh, this very fun episode <laughs> is uh, brought to an end. Uh, I thank everyone to, uh, for tuning in and for listening. And, uh, of course, I very much thank you, Lars, for lending us your expertise and your uh, unlimited enthusiasm. And, uh, yeah, we shall be back with the review of the Bayern game next week. And that is that. Goodbye.